Christ. One of the things that we have been doing in this last month in our Sunday morning lessons is we've been looking at the, the parables of Jesus, these teachings, because what Jesus is doing is explaining why he has come and who he ultimately is. And he's telling these stories to try to get people to understand that. I'm here with a reason. I'm accomplishing something. Do you understand who I am and what I'm ultimately trying to do for you? And the, the parable that I wanted to look at, as was just read for us in Matthew chapter 13, are two of the shortest parables. And they're, they're so short, they're so quick, that it's easy to just kind of pass right by them. And if you've read them before, you probably have blown right by them. And we are going to spend our time just looking at this because it really does show a picture of Jesus about what he's come to do, why you should care about him, and what that matters ultimately to your life as we move into, Lord willing, yet another year in living for him and, and serving him. I want you to we'll just go a little bit slower and just think about this parable, and we'll break down some of the pictures about Jesus and what he is offering. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Curious picture which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And that's the end of that parable. That was it. Can you imagine just saying that and going, there you go. No explanation, no details, no interpretation. That was it. You're supposed to figure it all out from that right there. And then he goes one more and he goes again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And that was the end of that one. Two really short parables. And yet in those short parables, Jesus is saying some amazing things about who he is and what he's trying to offer everyone so let's talk about these two parables together and some of the pictures of what Jesus is giving. First, I want you just for a moment just to think about all of these people are described in terms of a search. There is a search for value that is going on. The second parable really shows that. The first one implies it is that you have a treasure that's hidden in a field and you find it. Then you're looking around and be able to to be able to find that treasure. But the second parable really exp explodes that idea because you will notice that he says, particularly in that verse, verse, 40, uh, verse 45, that he is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Now, here's what I want you to think about with that for a minute, is that here are people that are identified in terms of a search. And if you stop for a minute and think about this, everybody is on a search. And that's ultimately what life is, is about, that God has put something within us to search for great value, great worth, purpose. Is not one of the age-old questions, why are we here? What is my purpose? We all have intrinsically wired within us 
this idea of searching. We are looking. We are trying to seek for something of great worth and great value. And that's being identified in, in this parable. Now, one of the things when you think about a search like that is you understand what Satan does. Not part of the parable, but this is part of Satan's great trick. Is that he gets you to think that the things that you are settling on are of great worth and value. You know, this is going to be the, the great thing of my life and it will give me great value and joy. You just fill in the blank of whatever that was. This car will be my great joy and great value for all of my days, you know, and it lasts that way for maybe six months or a year. Maybe if you're very content a few years and then it starts falling apart and starts getting in. That's no longer the thing of great value anymore. So it's going to be something else. If I just had the right career, if I just had the right family dynamic, if I just lived in the right place, if I just had this, these are going to be the things that are going to give me purpose and value and meaning and worth. So we're all in that search. But I want you to see what Jesus does is he's describing this about himself and the offer he's making. The kingdom of heaven is like, I have come and I am offering you something. And you will notice in the two pictures of what Jesus says he's giving are things that are considered ultimately priceless. The first parable is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus and what he is offering people is like a great treasure. And in the second parable, he describes it then as a picture of this single pearl of great value. Jesus is saying, I have come and my offer to you is of inestimable worth, of high value, great, great, great value. And I think that is something that we can often miss as Christians is understanding that Jesus is always putting himself forward as the treasure. I'm what you're looking for. I'm what your soul is searching after. I am your purpose. I am your worth. I am what you need. Search me. Seek after me and my kingdom. Come to me. He's always, he's always walking around doing. He said, you come to me. I'll give you life. Come to me. I'm going to give you truth. Come to me. I'm going to give you rest. Come to me. I'm going to give you everything you are looking for. Stop looking out there for the purpose, value, and worth. I'm the treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like this single pearl of great value. <clears throat> now, here's the problem. Problem is this. God knew that humans would not see him as the treasure. God knew that in general, people would never look to him and see him uh, for the surpassing worth and value for who he is. Think about the prophecies of Jesus. Here's one. Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by men. Just think about that. For Jesus comes into the world. He is the one of great worth and great value. He's the treasure. 
He's what you need. He's what you're searching for. But before he even comes, God sends the prophets and says, you know what people are going to do when he comes? They're going to despise him and they're going to reject him. They are going to count him as a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised. And please notice the final words of that. And we didn't value him. Or some translations, we did not esteem him. We held him of no regard. What an amazing idea. Jesus says, I'm the treasure. And God says, but before he even comes, here's what everybody's going to do. They're not going to see him that way. They're not going to see him as the treasure. They're not going to hold him to that value. They're not going to see him for the surpassing worth of who he is. They're going to reject that. They're going to dismiss him. They're not going to value him. They're not going to care. And so he's telling us this parable to give us this picture so that we would see who he is. But there was a third part to this. You'll notice not only in verse 44 with the first parable of the treasure, but also in verse 45 with the parable of the pearl of great value, that both of these are hidden treasures. Isn't that interesting? I think it is interesting that Jesus does not say, I am this obvious treasure that you just can't miss. I'm just standing out there in the middle of the road. And if you're just walking by, you just can't help but fall over me and see that I'm the treasure. In the parables, he's saying, I am of this high value and great worth. But most people don't see that. They they are hidden. In fact, one of the things that we have observed in Jesus telling parables over the last couple of weeks is remember one of the reasons that Jesus is telling these complex parables, and I mean complex by like this, to say the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in the field, and he doesn't even give an answer. He doesn't even explain it. There's no interpretation. There's no, let me tell you what I mean by that. So that people will seek him. Because the spiritual things are hidden. They're not obvious. And Jesus is trying to see who wants to get to know me. Who wants to know the treasure? Who is really seeking? Who really wants to know this treasure that I am trying to give? And the parable of the sower was like that. What we looked at just a little bit ago. Who really wants to come to know me? As I was reading about this hidden treasure idea and the desire of seeking If you've been to the beach, you have probably seen this. I grew up in San Diego, so I basically grew up on the beaches, and we've got beaches here. And if you sit out on the beach long enough, you will probably find somebody walking by with a metal detector. It doesn't take long for a metal detector guy to go by, and you're sitting there in your chair, and he's got the metal detector. Have you ever noticed the procedure, though, of the man with the metal detector? You slow down, just watch him for a minute. One, he's not walking fast. You know, he's not just like. It is slow and methodical. Very carefully going over the various areas. And you will notice that he has headphones on, right? He's listening very carefully. He's not having a conversation with other people. This isn't like some party where everybody. Oh, yeah. He's really devoted to carefully searching 
with headphones, slowly looking. You'll watch them stop for a minute. They'll mark it. He'll pull a shovel out. He'll dig around and they'll get, oh, just another can. Okay. Puts it back. Keep, go, keep going. You know, I've sat there in the chair and I thought, well, I'd like to have a treasure too. I mean, obviously I'm in on treasure. Treasure sounds great. And I can think that I want treasure. But I look at him and he really does want it, doesn't he? I'm not willing to get out of my sand chair. (laughs) I sit there and go, ah. And he says, no, it's worth the effort. There is hidden value in here. And I'm going to look and look and look and dig and invest and spend time until I find the treasure that I'm looking for. What Jesus is doing in this parable is of a similar nature because it's easy for people to say, oh, yeah, I want the treasure. But the parable shows there is a hidden quality to it that demands a pursuit that I will never find treasure sitting under the umbrella comfortably in my chair. That there has to be a seeking, there has to be an effort, there has to be a pursuit, there has to be a dedication, there has to be a desire. It's one thing to say, yeah, I would love treasure. It's another thing to actually do what it takes to ultimately find the treasure. And that's what Jesus is picturing here, is trying to give us the the desire and the hope and the understanding that it's going to take a little bit of effort. It's going to take a little bit of work. It's going to take the effort that is required to follow after him. And unfortunately, sometimes we can think that because I think I want treasure, then I'm going to find treasure. But Jesus is sifting with the parable and saying, do you see who these people are who are really wanting to seek me? Who really want to find the worth of Christ? It is not just simply say, yeah, I think Jesus is great. I like Jesus. He seems to be pretty valuable. (laughs) But these two people in these two parables are doing something rather staggering. Did you notice what they did? They gave it all for the treasure. Both people in the parables are described as giving absolutely all that they have For the treasure, which we've defined as him and what he's offering him in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want you to think about this idea for a minute about giving all because Jesus says that kind of thing all the time. I'll give you one of those places. We just traced over it not too long ago back in chapter 10. He'll say the things this again in chapter 16. So he's really underscoring the idea. If you want to follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. If you are worried about finding life here, you're ultimately losing life. But if you will lose your life here for my sake, then ultimately you're going to find eternal life. Now, what is our usual feeling, response, reaction to hearing the idea that if anyone wants to be my disciple, you need to take up your cross and follow me? a lot he's asking a lot 
You know, sacrifice everything. Sacrifice your life. Give up worldly pursuits. Give up worldly desires. And simply give it all and follow him. But I want you to notice notice something about the picture that's being given here. Because while we often start talking about what we are losing, what it will cost, how much it will hurt, what kind of sacrifice it will be, and oh, the woe of us following him. Did you notice the wording that is given there in verse 44? There are three little words there that I think are so critically important to the picture that that is being given here. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. And then in his misery, disappointment, and pain, he goes and sells all that he has. Did I read that right? In his great effort of regret and sorrow that he has to have this treasure, he sells all that he has. In his... Joy. You catch that? None of these people look at this and go, yes, look at the great worth of this treasure. Boy, it sure does stink that I have to go sell everything I have for the treasure. This is awful. This is so disappointing. I am so bummed out that I have to give up so much. To be able to have the treasure. None of them are doing that. There is no regret, no disappointment, no sorrow, no thinking it over. No, I don't know if I really want to do this or not. But rather they are saying, I want to sell everything. And I want to just ask a question. How is that even possible? How can they do that? If you were to go up and ask them, why are you willing to sell everything that you have? I mean, please visualize that for a minute. You're going to sell your place where you live. You're going to sell your cars. You're going to give up your job. You're going to give up whatever's in your bank account. You're going to give up whatever you own, your furniture, your possessions, your TVs, your subscriptions. Everything. You're going to give it all up. What would possibly possess a person to do something like that? Aren't you crazy? Sell all that you have. What do you think they'd tell you? They must understand the worth of the treasure. That's the only way you do it joyfully, right? You can't do this joyfully unless you appropriately value the treasure. Let me illustrate that idea for a minute. Can you imagine if you were to find there is, I'll just reframe the very parable with modern numbers. There is a field that is available for purchase out here. And there is $10 billion available as a treasure to the owner of the field. It is up for sale. Now the price to buy the field is about $400,000 to buy the $10 billion treasure. So it's going to take liquidating all your assets. You're going to have to get rid of everything. You're going to sell it all. The house is going to go. You're going to be selling cars. You're going to sell everything you have to possibly cobble together enough to get the field. 
Now let me ask you, is it worth doing for $10 billion? Or would you look at it and go, eh? I'm good with my 50000 a year, you know. It's all right. Or are you able to see that the payoff is worth the selling all? How fast are you going to try to liquidate assets to get the $10 billion? That's the parable. That's the sum idea of the parable. The message is very simple. People who understand the surpassing worth of Jesus and his kingdom joyfully give up everything. And those who don't, underscore two of them, give up everything joyfully, both, don't understand the surpassing value of the treasure. In fact, you see that in the parable, don't you? Who would sell this man the the field that has the treasure? Someone who doesn't know the value. You have that even more specific in verses 45 and 46. Here is this merchant on searching for fine pearls, and he finds one pearl of great value and sold all that he had and bought it. Who would sell him that? Who sells the pearl of great value to this man, this merchant? Except the guy doesn't know the value. He doesn't comprehend the worth. He goes, oh, yeah. And the other guy's like, you have no idea how great this is. Because he doesn't understand the value. He doesn't see the worth. He doesn't see the treasure. He doesn't see what it's all about. This is what Jesus is doing. And friends, this is what the New Testament is trying to underscore to each one of us about who Jesus is. Jesus never pictures himself as, I know this is going to be terrible. I know you're going to hate your life. I know it's going to be sorrow, disappointment, Please drag your way through and it'll be great when you get to heaven. Now, what does something like Paul say? You know, it's not even worth comparing. It's not even worth comparing the glory that's to be revealed. What's happening here? I don't even need to make an evaluation. It's not even worth doing it's as silly as buying the field out there and going, you know, is it really worth $10 billion? You don't even make that comparison. Of course it is. It's the pearl of great value. Or how about when Paul said it like this? For whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I hope you see he didn't say, you know, I know this is a real downer, but no, I'll count it all as loss. Because knowing Jesus is the treasure. 
And not only is Jesus the treasure, he says, I understand the surpassing worth of knowing him. I understand the great, great value of knowing him. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. And notice the next line is not, and am full of regret. (laughs) I have suffered loss of, I've lost everything for the cause of Christ. And it's been terrible. No, he goes, I've lost it all and I don't care. I count it as trash. It's fine. That is trash compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. The things that we treasure in this world are garbage in comparison to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. We treasure so many things that are not worth treasuring. And we don't treasure the thing that has the great worth. And Isaiah said that's exactly what we would do. (laughs) We would despise him and reject him and not value him. When Jesus is walking around saying, I'm trying to give you life, joy, peace. I'm trying to give you everything your soul is searching for. I'm trying to fulfill your deepest desires. I'm the one that can fill that void. I can deal with your deepest pains. I'll give you whatever you need. I am the thing that can satisfy beyond all else. And we look at him and we go, I'd rather have here. And the apostle Paul said that was craziness to him. So if we don't want to give our lives completely to Jesus, then we don't treasure him with the surpassing value and worth that he is. We are far more interested in our day-to-day events as we do our little things that ultimately hold no lasting weight of value and exchange the one of great treasure and value for them. As I thought about this picture, I thought, what a silly decision. There is nothing in this world that we can keep anyway. There is not one single thing we're taking out of here. And yet we hold on to it and treasure it above the one thing that we can have when we get out of here. What a silly decision. And yet we do it all the time. That we don't uphold him as the treasure. And we treasure our stuff and our jobs and our schedule and our things and everything else. And Jesus is trying to say, I'm the treasure. I'm the thing of surpassing worth. There is nothing else greater than him. And everything else should be regarded like the apostle Paul said is ultimately garbage. It's not going to last. It's not going to make it. And yet we miss that great value. The apostle John Pictured it this way for us. Here's here's how things have gone down. 
In a time when we like to keep things very positive and end of the year December, here's, here's Jesus' reality. These are Jesus' own words. Here, here's, here's the message. Here's the judgment. The light came into the world. We would love to put the period right there. Yay. The light came into the world. Here's the problem. We weren't interested. The light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? Why? Well, Jesus says why. Because we love the darkness and not the light. Our works are ultimately evil. We don't see him as valuable. We don't see him as the treasure. We don't see him as the game changer. We don't see him as the lifesaver. We don't see him as our ultimate everything that we need for life. We just don't see him that way. And that's why we miss out. And that's why life then goes the way it does is because we don't see ultimately what lies ahead of us. We don't see the great value that we have. So let me end with three things, but it's a trick three ending because I've got one more thing and then a thing after that. So don't, don't pack up and leave on me yet, but it is really fast. Number one, it's not enough to see the treasure. <laughs> this parable is not, well, isn't it great that they identified that there was a treasure? <laughs> My friends, there are a lot of people who see Jesus. Hey, there's Jesus. A lot of people. This is a great time of year when people go, yeah, there's Jesus. That's not enough. Jesus never said, well, as long as you see me, that's great. As long as you know that I'm here, <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. It's not enough to see him. But I also want you to notice it's not enough to see the value either. You know, yeah, I think he's really quite valuable. I think that's nice. I think he's really useful. He can be very helpful. He does good things for your life. That's great. Well, a lot of people look at Jesus that way as well. You know, he's a good add-on to my life. I'm doing a lot of things that I want to live my life. I'll make sure to get Jesus come along my side. He can help me out from time to time. That's not enough either. What Jesus is looking at in these two parables is trying to get us to see that the only way to show that you have the appropriate value on Christ in your heart is to give it up. Because if there is something that you are holding on to, then that shows you don't have the right value on him. If there's something that you will not let go, then that means you don't see him as the treasure. You are saying this is more valuable than him. This is more important than him. This has more meaning than him. This is more everything to him. We have all these things. And see, and what happens in our lives is we go, I'll give up A, B, C, and D. But not this right here. Yeah, I'll stop those things and I'll do these things and I'll change these things and I'll do that. But these things right here. And what we're ultimately saying is, He's not valuable enough. And I want us to see that's ultimately the problem Jesus has. I won't spend as much time. I'm just going to read it and make one comment. There's one more parable right after this. We don't have time, but one more parable. Look at verse 47. See, he wasn't done. He said again. Verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea. And gathered fish of every kind. 
When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus, how does that parable fit with the other two? Very simple. Jesus is going to sort out. Who treasured him for the surpassing worth of knowing him? And who said they did, but did nothing about it? It's a simple ending parable. Jesus is going around saying, you must see me as the treasure. See me as the value of your life. See me as the everything for you. And at the end, there's going to be a sorting that's going to happen. And those who treasure him in that way are saying, I want you above all else. And God's answer is going to be great. You can have him. You can have him for eternity. And to those who say he's not worth it. Okay, that's your choice. You will not be with him for eternity. Because you decided he wasn't worth it. We're making the decision. Not God. We're deciding what's more valuable. Is he the treasure or something else? Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, God forgive us for how often we do not see your son as of the greatest worth. Lord, forgive us For how often we treasure so many things above you. And we hold so many things in our hands as the highest thing. When ultimately, Lord, you gave them to us. And you can freely take them away. And Lord, that we know that these things are not eternal, but temporary. Lord, I pray that you would help us see your son as the greatest treasure of our lives. That it would not be just something we see and consider, but that we would be willing to give it all up for your son. Help us to see that value. Lord, we know that your son is worth far more than our comfort, far more than our wealth, far more than family, far more than careers, far more than entertainment. Far more than the pleasures and sins of this world, your son is worth far more. Forgive us for when we don't make that right choice, but instead exchange him for these false things. And Lord, I pray that you would work a transformation in our hearts so that as we would seek you, it would be in all of our joy. Lord, we know that there is great joy in seeking you and we pray that the temptations that keep us from seeking you would be set to the side, that you would give us great courage and faith to overcome them and to see the great worth of your son who gives us all things, that gives us life and breath and all that we need for life and godliness. Thank you for your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Here in a moment, we're going to sing an invitation song. and In the song, it's simply a way to think about how you look at Christ. And I I hope here at the end of the year 
that you would use today as an opportunity to, to do a true accounting of the soul and, and ask yourself, how much is Jesus worth to you? Are you willing to make changes in your life because he is worth it? Are you willing to say no to things in your life because he's worth it? Are you willing to say yes to follow him because he's worth it? Will you make the changes going forward into this new year that shows that he is worth far beyond anything that this life has to offer? What's more important or to ask something that must be asked in things like this. What is the value of your soul? What, what, what is your soul worth? Because that question is what's on the line. And Jesus wants you to spend eternity with him. But you must value him for who he is and what he's done for you. Can we help you do that? Would you let one of us help you in that? You can talk to me afterward about, about that. Dan's up here in the front in red. You can talk to him afterward as well. We would love to help you in moving your life towards seeing him as the treasure and serving him with all of your heart. And if you're ready to do something about that now, you can talk to us afterward or come forward while we stand and while we sing.